Good evening, good evening, and welcome back to the Know Your Role Player Podcast. I am your host, J215, the number four ever. Follow your boy on IG, and on, excuse me, on my IG page is the podcast page that's at Know Your Role Player underscore podcast, all right? Or you can hashtag K-N-O-W-Y-A-R-O-L-E-P-L-A-Y-E-R, all right? The best way that you can listen to this podcast is to download the Anchor app. Now, whether you have Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, CastBox, Overcast, and many, many more, you can get notifications as soon as up- episodes are uploaded like this one, all right? <clears throat> so that's anchor.fm backslash know your role player. All right, guys, welcome back. Today is Sunday, August 15th. Um, we're here to do the last part of the week. And they got a guess what we first say. What's up to the people? What's going on, everybody? All right, y'all. Now, this podcast is going to be real simple. We're not going to keep y'all too long. But I want to do a couple things. So real quick, if we go over the order, we're going to talk about the five things we learned. Um, then we're going to talk about the malice in the palace. And last but not least, we still have some restricted free agencies that a couple players that me and friends wanted to talk about. All right? All right. <clears throat> Let's go with first of it. All right, friends, since you're the guest, I'll let you start off first. Give me your five things that you got from last season. Okay. Um, the biggest thing I got from last season was Giannis is the real deal, man. Mm. Like, to me, that's the biggest takeaway. Mm. Giannis is the, is the real deal. He finally didn't get hurt in the playoffs. He actually did get hurt. <laughs> I mean, he did get hurt, but he didn't – it, it wasn't the Giannis injury, right? It wasn't right. the – you know, the, the f- out for the whole playoffs, team is screwed type of deal. So, yeah, Giannis is the real deal. Um, the second thing, super teams are never going away. Whoa. Super okay. teams are never going away. It's only going to get worse out here. Mm. Um, you don't think the Bucks did anything to stop it? No, because I think that the Nets just unluckily got hurt. Okay. I think if the – I mean, like, honestly, the way that, like, after watching that series – if you have all three of them, even James Harden out at 100%, I think that they get it done. But it was just the fact that, like, you get James back and then Kyrie goes down. So, But that's my number two. Super teams are going nowhere. Look at what the Lakers did. Mm. You know, I expect the Clippers will try to do something. Look at Miami out here trying to make big moves. Right. Um, so my next thing I'm going to say is welcome back – young talent to the league. Mm. So I say that because there was a point over the last couple seasons where some of these rookies weren't looking too good. Okay. Like the top picks were looking okay, but you know, some of like the mid round first round picks, you know, late first round picks, they, those guys were not looking good. I mean, they were going to the G league and getting lost. Mm-hmm. And it, we saw a lot of young talent this season from, you know, guys like Sadiq Bay to guys like Emmanuel Quickly, who wasn't even supposed to see the floor this season mm. and ends up getting legitimate minutes. And I, that's what I mean by that. It's just guys that were deeper in the draft or undrafted. Even your guy, Tyrese Maxey, will give him a shout-out. Yes, sir. Um, just guys that people weren't <laughs> expecting to be able to produce right away that did. Right. Uh, my fourth thing, coaching's got to get better. Um, And what I mean by getting better... A lot of changes happen, so... Yeah, what I mean by getting better is 
we have it's almost we have to get younger, or the mentality of these coaches has to get younger. This old school, super stale basketball of isolation that we still keep seeing. It's it's a I thought it died with the Warriors and then it came back again, but like it's it's got to stop. It doesn't work. The Buccaneers, you know, the, the Buccaneers, the Bucks. Oh. Sorry, the <laughs> Bucks. Gotta catch myself there, folks. Uh, no, the Bucks. Uh, you know, they kind of proved that this year. That was one of the things they were good at was the ball didn't stick too much, mm-hmm. and if it did go to isolation, they always managed to get to the rim. They didn't settle for too many ISO jumpers, except for Chris Middleton, who shot a high percentage. And then my last thing is, and this is the biggest thing. Uh-oh. And, and, uh, yeah, it's hot take time. Oh, boy. Uh, my last thing. <laughs> the NBA is still sexist. Whoa. And, uh, yeah. Wait, Anya, I buried the lead there a little bit. But the NBA is still sexist. Still don't have a female head coach. Still only one legitimate female assistant coach. There are some other females that do have the title, or they're not assistants, but they're basically assistant coaches, but they don't sit on the bench during the games and stuff. But then also, where are the women in the front office, man? Where are the more women referees? There's a couple out there, but... There's some women referees. There are, but it seems like there's only the same two. Meanwhile, here we are, you know, for the 15th season in a row, talking about the same male referees that stink and that ruin basketball games. So, yeah, the NBA is still sexist. Give the women a shot. I don't know if the NBA is sexist. I think it's it's still a newer thing to want women to coach men's sports. It's not the norm. It isn't. So I still think it's something that has to have a ways of going. Uh, anybody deserves a shot is Becky Hammond. We'll see if she's willing to wait out and see if Greg Popovich retires. But Greg Popovich kind of has this thing where uh, he might be getting fired. Nah, he's not going to get fired. <clears throat> Um, you can't win many championships and get fired. Yeah, keep drafting, keep drafting Josh Primo and see if you don't get fired. He ain't gonna get fired. Um, but um, I definitely think the uh, NBA has to do a better job as being more inclusive with women. All right, so my five, one, and number one, and most important, injuries suck. All right, this year's playoffs was literally, literally dictated by injuries. All right, now injuries happen every year, and I'm never the guy to say. Well, they only won because. No, no. They won because they won. You know, both team Anthony Davis and, oh my goodness, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, um, Kawhi Leonard, um, Joel Embiid. I know I'm missing a bunch of people. Chris Paul. Um, uh, LeBron uh, James. Dante DiVincenzo. Um, Dante DiVincenzo. It was between so many guys banged up and legitimately hurt. I do think we didn't get the best experience from the playoffs possible. We still got a good playoffs, um, but we didn't get the best. Oh, my goodness, Trey Young. Um, yeah. We def- too many times injuries kind of dictated the outcome of things instead of letting teams where the natural progression was, and that sucked. The number two thing is when a new season happens, like the season that just happened, it's very important to remember one thing. The previous year, it has no correlation. Right, and no. so the perfect example is the Miami Heat, man. The team that legitimately went to the finals, the whole off season they were talking to, uh, crazy to the Lakers. Yo, man, yep. that should have been us. Absolutely, we could have got that. We gonna show you all next year. Yeah, now listen, I'm all about we gonna show you all next year. And when next year came, what happened? Them bums <laughs> got swept, and that one game was close. Nope. And Jimmy Butler was terrible. I'm gonna keep saying that because that like. 
Um, and this will lead to my third point. We can't let things, certain things slide with certain people. All right. True. When we got on Giannis, we got on him. And what did he do? He came through. Mm. When we gave Jimmy Butler love, we gave him love in the finals for playing well. But when he was terrible, like he was in this playoffs, we got to get on him. All right. Um, I just like jumped into like a point and a half. So that's my second and my third point. My fourth point, I'm going to piggyback on French uh, as far as coaching. All right. Um, I don't have as much patience as bad coaching as a lot of people, especially for my Sixers. And if you cannot make on adjustment, if you cannot make on a fly adjustments, and you have a stubbornness about you, I do think you should be let go within the next, you know, three to six weeks. You know, because the thing is, like, remember when um um in the Cleveland when they fired the uh, the Dave uh, what the, uh, I forgot his name they fired the coach from Israel they hired oh, okay uh, yeah yeah during the LeBron era yeah and they hired yeah. um what's the coach of the Clippers. Tyler. Yeah, they hired Tyler, and Tyler immediately won a championship. Now, it wasn't that Tyler was the greatest coach, but he was just – he made in-game adjustments. He corrected things immediately, and he just – he had a pulse on what's going. You know, if you have a coach that's just, just like you said, stuck in my ways, we're going to run this entire isolation basketball, you know, I'm just harping over things that don't really matter, I think you should go. And, again, a lot of coaches were overturned this year. A lot of black coaches got hired. I'm happy about that. But – um. You know, I just think we needed some. Uh, you know, if you can't, you don't got it. You don't got it. And uh, to talk about the new hire coaches, new opportunity. You know, the number one thing I talk about with coaches is, is not the same retrends, aka Stan Van Gundy. You know, let some new blood get in there, and I'm very happy. Now, listen, here's a straight fact: all of these guys won't be great. Some of these guys might be bad coaches, but that's okay. The important thing is, is that the opportunity, the opportunity was there. And my last thing, my last number five topic is how could you forget? And who am I talking about? I'm talking about Stephen Wardell Curry. Yo, dog. I don't know if you guys felt this, but I thought the Steph slander was going to chill after they won the championships. Like, oh, no, right. I knew it wasn't. I knew it wasn't. I, I, I just felt like it was like, all right, yo, he did it. Yo, the second they were back, oh, see? We told you it was KD. It, it it was Clay, and 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 if you remember, I know you remember. The season started off really bad for the Warriors. The first yep. game was versus Brooklyn. They lost by like thirty. The second game was versus Utah. They lost by like twenty five. Um, and they were like, "Yo, man, this dude ain't it." And long and behold, I'm gonna say this again. He led them to the seventh seed, and in every season before this season, that is a guaranteed playoff spot. Now, the first time in the history of the NBA, we did this little fake playoff thing, which, you know, had mixed reviews on. But Stephen Wardell Curry just bringing back the league. And I don't know about you, I feel like at many points kind of saving the regular season. Because I feel like the coaches were kind of just mailing some games. Guys were just sitting out longer than they had to. And I felt like he was one of the few players kind of bringing it every day. No, he definitely was. Um, I'll say this, too, though. See, the thing is about Steph Curry is – People hate what they don't understand. Mm. And what they don't understand is, how does this guy look like me? But how is he worth $200 million in a contract? And I'm just got a job. You know what I'm saying? Steph Curry looks like an average dude, but he plays a very above average basketball game. And I'll I'll challenge anybody. This is a challenge from me, French. Okay. I will give 
$50 to anyone that reaches out to Jay and can name me one player that y'all think could have done more with the quality of players that Steph Curry <laughs> yeah, had facts, this season. Man, and that... I want to just I want to say this too real quick. Just let people Go ahead, know. Get it off. Get it off. Le- get it LeBron off. always had when LeBron was he always had a Kyrie or mm-hmm. a Dwayne Wade or now an Anthony Davis. What KD about in Cleveland? Yeah, Kevin Love. Like he had a roster in Cleveland. Like that's the thing. What about, understand. What, what about first time Cleveland? I don't think he could have done better than what Steph did. Okay. I mean, listen, we could, we could now, we could debate it, but my, I, I think I think people have to also understand what this Warriors team was because LeBron's not a good jump shooter, right? So if you put a, another non-shooter in place of Steph, oh, this team would have been terrible. Mm. They already had enough people that couldn't shoot, but I agree that the Steph slander has to stop. He I thought is... it was done, man. I, I could, I was so shocked how much it just. Like how like they were, it's almost like they were hiding until their moment was like oh see see we told you I, I couldn't believe it man he's a top ten player in NBA history X I said it you co-signed it I don't what what more do people want to know he's the best point guard not named Magic Johnson of all time so again I don't know what more people need to see they'll get back listen and Steph will get to one more finals I believe so before too. the end of his career. I ain't going to say he's going to win it, but I think Steph will get to one more. Since the team has one more moment in them. I don't know what has to happen for that moment to become, but they have one more moment in them. And I'll say this. He may get, and this might be a good segue, but he may get the Reggie Miller treatment. Mm. Towards the end of his contract, they may decide to say, you know what? We owe this to Steph Curry to give one more run at this thing, and maybe they bring in a young guy who then becomes the face of the franchise. Right. Um, good segue. And good uh, people hate what they don't understand. That's going to be the title of the podcast. Congratulations, man. Oh, yeah. That, that was a bar. That was a bar. Finally got one, y'all. Yeah, finally, finally. Um, all right, so let's do a little transition. And we're going to talk about the malice in the palace. So French for the last two or three days has been telling me about, yo, you got to see the malice in the palace. And I'm like, uh, you know, I, I remember the Malice in the Palace. I'm old enough to remember when it was. And I also remember that Pacers team being really good. It's actually, uh, whenever I do get my YouTube channel up, one of my biggest, most important videos was how slept on that team was because they were loaded. All right. Way more guys than you. I could, every, I could name almost every player on that team. And that's not even without looking at NBA.com just because I remember most of those players at that time. Yeah. That's but, um, good. It was interesting because, and um, jump in whenever you want to, when watching Malice in the Palace, it wasn't only the Malice in the Palace, right? So it's kind of like a two-part story, right? So the first part was, you know, you got Reggie Miller, you got Indiana, you got greatness, but then you had this young rise of a team and Jermaine O'Neal getting traded from Portland, Portland Trailblazers to Indiana in the second season after basically getting no burn, him turning into... Later on, a six-time All-Star, you know, uh, playing the Detroit Pistons, taking them to, what, six games, I believe? Yes. Yeah, and um, just a really good series. And in the next season, I'm I'm telling y'all, if that team stays together, I truly believe in my heart, they win the championship. If you remember the next season, the Pistons go back to the finals, but they lose that year to the Spurs. 
And his first team was very good, but I feel like Indiana's toughness, three-point shooting, ability to score inside and outside, and versatile shooting would have been a lot of trouble for the Spurs. Um, I learned so much from this documentary. So, one, uh, and like I said, whenever you feel, jump in. This should be a little well, back. Hold on. I want, to jump, I want to jump in first right here. Go ahead, get go ahead. So, just to add on to that backstory, right? So, the documentary starts off in 2004, that summer, when the Pacers are in the finals against the Lakers and mm-hmm. get washed, yep. right? Whoa, 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 whoa. No, not wa- – sorry, not washed. Yeah, that's not sweat. fair. That's not sorry, fair. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's not fair. That's, that's you know they, – they, they lost in six games. That that's was a that North, series. No, no, that's that North Jersey slang up here. When your team wins, you say – Yeah, it's not, that was a very competitive that series. Was, yeah, that was a lot of cap right there, my fault. So, they lose. Now, what people don't remember is that Pacers team was very old. Yep. You know, they had Dale Davis, who was a monster at that time in the league, Mm -hmm. but he was definitely on the other side of his prime. So they were like, all right, we got to make some moves. So they go out and get a young Jermaine O'Neal. But the thing that I didn't even remember, because this was, you know, early, early in my basketball watching career, Mm -hmm. is that Jermaine O'Neal wasn't getting run. No. And, like, he sits there and talks about being on Portland. And he was like, I was the fourth best player on the team at my position. Like, and I didn't realize how bad he was to how good to the Jermaine O'Neal I remember, like, on the Pacers. Right. And it was like, so, yeah, go ahead. But, like, just a little backstory. Like, that team, those, yeah, those guys were all workers. And that's the other, I guess, the little bit of backstory is everybody that was involved in the Malice in the Palace, none of these guys were given – natural gifts at basketball like i guess mm. you could say jermaine o'neal a little bit but maybe, he was I'm a, a real I'm skinny a, I'm a, kid i'm gonna say maybe not natural gifts but our test as an athlete was pretty gifted no he was but if you remember with our test he wasn't like a dude that was every night going out and getting buckets he had like a couple really good seasons scoring yeah no listen i'm gonna give him his credit he had some good season scoring but he's not the guy you think of as oh he can go out and give me 30 Mm-hmm. Cause remember, like I always say, like at that time in the league, still, you still had the dudes you could legitimately say, "He's getting me thirty a night." Mm. Like you had Kobe was still in the league. Reggie could get you thirty a night. Um, at that point, you know, you still had uh, Tim Duncan was balling Dirk, but it was just a really competitive NBA. But go ahead. Yeah. So again, Ronald is an interesting person because. Context matters. So his career, he averaged, and again, we're gonna do like a two, two, three minute on runner, maybe four or five minutes on runner test. We got yeah, time. I wish we could have the stats pre uh, before the end of his career, but go ahead. Yeah, well, we got some stats in front of you. So runner test was drafted by the Chicago Bulls in nineteen ninety slash the nine nine two thousand. All right, averaged twelve points, two point eight assists, um, four point three rebounds, sixty seven percent from the free throw shooting. Uh, field goal percentage is 44%. Three-point percentage is 31%. All right, so let's just stay on the points. Second year, average is 11.9. Third year in the Toronto, 13.2. Fourth year, Chicago, 15.6. Um, excuse me, 15.6. Uh, Indiana, first year, 2001-2002, 10.5. Indiana, second year. 15.5, uh, Indiana 
Now, this is his best season of his career. Indiana, 2004, 2005, 24.6 points per game. Yeah. That's pretty good, all right? Uh, from that, he kind of tailed off a little bit. Uh, you remember it was really hard for him to get around on the team, so he kind of goes back down, 17, 19, 16, 18, 20, 17, 18. But he can play. For his most part, if you say, yeah. if I told the fan that never watched Ronald Tess play, I'm saying a strong, very strong, muscular built, but super quick-footed. But had defensive. to work on his game. Yeah, definitely worked on his game, but a defensive player with offensive ability. You know, that's yeah, what, probably the best way to describe him. What did Jermaine O'Neal call him? Go ahead, the go best ahead. Of, what did Jermaine O'Neal call him in the documentary? The best defensive player we probably we had seen in the generation? Yeah, yeah, that's facts. Listen, you can go run on a test for some of your favorite players. Don't get me wrong. They have some nights where they nine points. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, too. Also, we talk about mental health, and the NBA is such a big promoter of mental health. Ron Artest was very um, transparent in his mental health, uh, anxiety, and depression he had to deal with. Now, with that being said, he was just very immature, all right? I, I love Ron Artest. He was very immature. There's a um, spoilers alert. All spoilers alert. There's a um, thing where he uh, there's, a, there's a part of the episode where he says he doesn't feel well. This um, no, not, not he doesn't feel well. Did uh, he sort to go to? He say okay, he's excused, and he's all sorts of words. You know, he just did whatever he wanted. Now listen, like I said, he had anxiety, and I definitely think the team could have been a lot more. Better at understanding this is the year 2000. Nobody knows what that stuff is. Anxiety is definitely a thing in the year 2000. As far as NBA teams and how to deal with as far as players, I don't think they had any clue. So, no, I definitely say one, Ron Artest just had a lot to deal with. Two, the uh, number two thing I said, this team was tough, man. And like I said, jump in at any time. I don't want to just make it as a solo back and forth. No, yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, listen. Tough. Go ahead. No, no, the, not only was the team tough, right? I think here's a little background on some of these guys, right? So you have to understand, Jermaine O'Neal comes from the slums of South Carolina, mm. the hood hood, okay? And if anybody ever saw um, the NFL's hard knocks with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back when they had Jameis Winston and you saw how he was living in Alabama, mm-hmm. it's equivalent to that. Like, a lot of family members deep in a house, one bathroom, like, just not a good situation. And basketball was his way out, chip on his shoulder, played with a sense of toughness and pride. Ron Artest, mean streets in New York, okay? Like, grew up playing that New York basketball, went to St. John's, played more New York basketball. They played with a sense of toughness. That was in the heyday of Rucker Park. So you grew up and you just played with a sense of that chip, city on my back. And Steven Jackson, who I love to death, (laughs) is the closest thing in the league is you're getting to a dude that was able to balance, like, streets – and basketball. Because mm. he talks about in the documentary, when he got the call that he was going to the Pacers, he was on the block with my <laughs> homeboys. That's what he said. I was on the, I had to put it on speaker because I was on the block with my homeboys. And if he had to put it on speaker, and this is just me and Steven Jackson, don't kill me if you hear this. Sounds like you was at a dice game, my brother. And that's about <laughs> the realest thing I ever heard in my life. Man. He was living. That's the facts. Yeah, you was doing your thing. So, just to say, like, these dudes, and, like, even Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller was from Northern California. Like, he wasn't a chump. 
And right. he comes from that era where, you know, Reggie Miller's been punched in the face in fights. He's been choked. He had the uh, matches with the Knicks at Madison Square Garden in his career. And for those of you that don't know, go YouTube Reggie Miller versus the Knicks and you'll, you know, enjoy five minutes of your life. But that team was even Austin Crozier off the bench. Like, they just had dudes that were tough. Tough. Yep. Not Jamal Tinsley, though. We'll get to yeah. that. So, Jamal <laughs> Tinsley. So, there's a couple of things about this thing that really stand out. One, other than the guy that threw the first beer, him and Jamal Tinsley, and again, I'm Jamal Tinsley said words, but <laughs> throwing the beer is, 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 was insinuating violence. But Jamal Tinsley telling Werner Tess, hey, yo, dog, you can go get your foul now. To somebody, again, that is not the most stable person is going to go get the foul, you know, come on. And in the next play, he goes up there, hard foul Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace is already not in a great mental space, space because his brother had passed away. So yep. he already wants all the smoke already. Now, a good context was saying was a lot of those guys are friends. Rasheed Wallace, uh, yes. Ben Wallace, him, all, most of those guys are friends. Now, people have to understand, even when basketball players rustle and tussle, it don't really mean nothing. Nobody's going to actually hit anybody. Ain't nobody about to lose all that bread. So they were chilling. Once Ron Artest lays down, and again, laying down, stuff this man does, but he says in his head that he was counting to five. <laughs> I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because Ron Artest does not seem like a liar. All right? He, and, and again, Ron Artest's transparency and humility was pretty dope in this. Now, hold on. Wait, before we get deep into this, right, I want to give one other little piece of context. So when the foul happened, this is back in 2005 or 2004. Right. So when, the, when this foul happened, people have to understand, the Pacers were up double digits with less than two minutes to go. This mm-hmm. isn't modern-day NBA where teams keep trying to do this. and do No. Back then, the game was over. The clock was going to run out in, like, the next two possessions. So that's why Ben Wallace was so pissed. Oh, and just like you said, they were all friends. But I'm a firm believer if you're a man and you've never almost swung or had a fight with one of your friends over a sports game or a video game, then y'all ain't really friends. Man. I'm just being honest. Men get testosterone, egos, you get mad. And like you said, his brother just And this was pre-social media, guys. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like public knowledge. Like, I'm sure guys knew, but even some guys in the documentary said they didn't know. They had no idea. This wasn't like you know, big-time ESPN news. And the other thing, um, one of the biggest things about this game was this was a really big game for Indiana. Yeah. The Pistons had came off a championship. They were coming back. You know, you saw before the game, Chauncey put that ring in the camera like, yeah, we, we are it. Um, and they were feeling themselves. This was such a big statement game for Indiana. And make no mistake about it, you can go and watch this game. The game wasn't close. Nope. Indiana thoroughly outplayed, and they believe in their heart that they were the best team in the league. Yes. Uh, I believe the year before they had the best record in the league, right? They had the best record, but they didn't have Steven Jackson yeah. yet. And they still made it to the second round of the playoffs. And I'm telling y'all, if Ronald, T- if, if let's say they all get like 20 game suspension, you know, I'm, I really believe in my heart that that team coming together in the playoffs could be any team in the league, man. Uh, and that's what sucks about it because the cause and effect is, um, and again, step in anytime in case I'm jumping a timeline. No, no, um, you're good so far. Oh, but um, I do want to say one little thing, too, to just set this up. Go ahead. At the end of this conversation, I'm going to give the biggest hot take in sports history. This dude just uh, – all right, so, boom. Um, 
it, it was so many nuances. Like I said, without breaking down every single part of it, Artest gets a cup thrown at him. He runs in the stands, doesn't even go after the right guy. The guy who throws <laughs> the thing is a punk, kind of gets out the way and gets behind Artest and hitting him. Now yeah. once Artest starts hitting the guy, guys are hitting him from behind, and now his teammates yeah. are coming to defend him. Now first was Steven Jackson. Right. Now Steven Jackson, because when, when Artest goes in, nobody runs in initially, and he starts giving this guy work. But the guy who originally threw the beer, like you said, started hitting him from behind. So that's when Steven Jackson runs in. And when Steven Jackson runs in, let me tell you, he's handling his business. If you don't know what that means, then you just don't know what that means. Go watch the documentary. It's on Netflix. Yeah, so Steven Jackson gets into it. Jermaine O'Neal gets into it. Now, a lot of the players start going in. A lot's going on back and forth for tussle. It kind of chills out, right? It kind of comes back cool. They got Ron Artest to come back to the floor. And this is where it gets crazy because I didn't remember this part. <laughs> two fans are literally – well, one it's two guys. But one guy is literally coming up to Artest, charging with two fists. I'm telling you all, out of any athlete to challenge, <laughs> challenging Ron Artest in 2004 is insane, man. Yep. So he's already starting with Artest. And, again, at this point, Artest has to defend himself. He's going at it with two guys. Yo, so here's the thing. Jermaine O'Neal comes out of nowhere. <laughs> all right? And I remember this. I remember, I remember this. All right? This is one of the biggest sports plays in my head where Jermaine O'Neal kind of slips and throws the craziest punch. And I'm telling you, if he didn't slip and if he landed that punch, that idiot, because we're going to talk about him in a second. We're not going to give him too much time. That idiot, he might not have even been alive, man. No, I'll say this. For those of y'all... Again, go watch the documentary, and you'll see this punch. But it reminded me of when Shaquille O'Neal threw that punch at, I think it was Chris Dudley, Mm -hmm. and he missed. And if he would have landed, because Chris Dudley was not looking, he would have ended his life. But not Um, So this guy, um, and the guy's a super punk. Um, He's trying to get some clout after the game, talking about, oh, yeah, they sucker. Nobody sucker punch you. Y'all insinuating violence. And like I said, this thing gets crazier and crazier. So after the Jermaine O'Neal stuff, they're trying to get guys off the floor. Mind you, there were only, what, two... um, Three police officers. Three police officers at a game in the entire building. It's insane. There is no safety. And again, not to be disrespectful, (laughs) but a lot of times the security for a basketball game, those are a lot of times not necessarily ready to get physical, all right? Those are people (laughs) who are kind of like, hey, sir, can you sit down? Can you chill out? And there's cops there to back them up. yeah. They're not there. So as the guys are leaving, everybody um, goes to this exit and they're just throwing everything. I mean, they're throwing chairs at Jermaine O'Neal. They're pouring drinks, popcorn. I mean, it's just insane. You know, they get back to the locker room and Ron Artest says, hey, yo, dog, you think we're going to get in trouble? And Jermaine O'Neal had to be held back because Jermaine O'Neal's like, yo, we did this. You're dumb behind, man. And Ronald Tess is completely aloof. He has no idea what's going on. And um, so, Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So real quick, there's one thing you missed. So to me, one of the craziest parts was when the cops start coming in, right? On the court is oh Reggie Miller yeah, trying ahead. to calm down the situation with Jermaine O'Neal. And Jermaine O'Neal thinks that, and Reggie are saying in the documentary, they think the cops are coming to arrest Jermaine O'Neal. The cops got his hand, he's got his taser out, dog. 
Other cops got his hand on his piece. They were about to uh, tase Reggie Miller, talking yeah. about we didn't know. And the cop says, we didn't know it was Reggie Miller. Now, listen, I don't like to call anybody a liar without giving them a chance to defend yourself. But I got to make exceptions to that rule, man. This dude's lying. You 100%. know who Reggie Miller is. 18 years you in the league. He was Come just on. in your city. It's the Indiana. year before, you guys on, won man. the chip by beating them in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. You know who Reggie Miller is. Yeah, come on, stop. Stop, stop. the cat. Stop the cat. <laughs> yeah, so that was a t- t- um, tough thing. And like I said, they get to the locker room. It's a lot of emotion going on. And again, the aftermath, uh, Stephen Jackson and Jimmy O'Neill said they were in court for almost 10 years. You got civil court. Um, you got public court. And this thing broke down. And Jimmy O'Neill actually got his time reduced. Yes. Which is really important because he said I had the right to defend myself and nobody thought about the protection of the players and kind of hit him with a different angle. Stephen A. Jackson, um, Stephen Jackson and Ron Artest did not get their time reduced. But it really kind of stayed on two things. One, this is probably Reggie Miller's best chance to get a championship. Right after this event, he basically kind of just said, yo, I'm done. I'm retiring the season. He called it in, called it off um, after the season. And not even that, um, Jermaine O'Neal was kind of at a crossroads because – he was a star. He was really stepping onto his own. Yep. And another thing he said, I don't know if he said this in a documentary, but I had to go and watch uh, Showtime with um, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. The next year when he made the All-Star team, and you know when they make the All-Star team, there's a bunch of players' faces all over the city, all over the yeah. books, all over the posters. He wasn't in none of them. Nope. I mean, they were phasing this guy out. Now, technically, that's kind of illegal. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, good old David Stern, rest in peace. Well, that was the other thing, speaking of David Stern in the documentary, is that it allows people to see how racist the media was oh my goodness. in 2004. Yeah. Because oh my goodness. these players were labeled thugs. Yep. This, this fight got blamed on hip-hop. I mean, it was... Brains, they were corn rolls. Brain corn rolls, the way they dress. That's what... Hey, you guys don't want to know why players had to wear suits for so long? That, because of Malice in the Palace. Because it was just everything that David Stern did was an overreaction to uh, how white folks in the suburbs were feeling after this. When in reality, all of this started because one fan decided to throw beer. Now, what's funny is, and I don't want to get into this part, but I just want to say the statement. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. ahead. It's funny how everyone got blamed and all these things happened. But you know what didn't happen? They didn't take alcohol out the arenas at any point in time, did they? No. They didn't start saying we're gonna stop selling after the or like one beer a person no, nothing. They sponsor right? they sponsor alcohol. Yeah. Okay, I was just checking. Yeah. Uh, also, um, <laughs> like, <laughs> just checking, man. Uh, I love Bob Costas, and he wasn't the only one. Like I said, everybody in the media was. And again, Jamie made a great point. Y'all celebrate hockey, and y'all call them competitors and gritty and tough when they fight each other and punch and teeth off. Hold on, though. Hold on. I got to call Cap on that, though, because I hated when he said that, because in hockey, they fight each other. And if that fight would have stayed on the court, it wouldn't have been a problem. No other sports are people fighting fans. But no other sports had run our test either. Though. Right. But the, <laughs> the, the point was, was there was so many racist undertones that people didn't even realize they were doing. You know, oh, so they, people, oh, they realized. It was OD. Maybe I don't think everybody. All right, I think if they all go back and look on it, they probably are comfortable with the tone they're saying. 
Again, it was a big deal, and it was definitely embarrassing for the league. Make no mistake about it. We're never defending their actions. No. But, again, it, it kind of got OD. And Bob Costas, who I love, you know, Bob wasn't your best moment. You know what I'm saying? Because he just went on this whole – Bob Costas does this thing where when there's, like, a really big moment in sports, he does, like, a two-minute soliloquy where he uses great words. He captivates the moment. It is as a rare. It's one of the reasons why he's in the Hall of Fame. But – I wasn't feeling Bob Costas in there. No, nah, but and and one day we'll talk about Bob, good old Bob Costas. This isn't <laughs> the first time that uh, in the history of sports where Bob has seemed to have a very strong opinion on things that involve black people. Right, and hey, we gonna get into Bob Costas this summer. But again, uh, and like I said, wrapping this up, um, Jermaine O'Neal. It was really tough on him. Yo, okay, so wrapping this up, Ryan Tess crosses a tree. He says it's too much for me. I gotta go. <laughs> And those guys are mad. Like, they said, yo, you're a weasel, you're a quit, not because you requested a trade. Again, they went to the stands for him. They had a championship team, and they're like, yo, we did this for you, and you bailed on this. They yep. basically said, you're basically a coward. And again, I got to be honest, Ron Artest later goes on to win a championship with Kobe Bryant and the Lakers, and um, Steven... The next season. Yeah, yeah, and Steven... Um, Steven Jackson wins a couple years later with the Spurs. Yeah, but Stephen uh, Stephen Smith, a basketball player, asked about it, and he kind of said, "Yeah, I was basically a coward. Uh, you know, I'm not really proud of the moment." Again, both of those guys win championships. Jermaine O'Neal was on a lot of playoff teams, but unfortunately, he never got a chance to win a championship. Yeah, All, like I said, and Reggie Miller didn't. So there's like a tough. It, honest, I had to really take back and see how tough that was for Jermaine O'Neal because he probably is just now coming to peace with it. Sports pain is something that doesn't leave, all right? Um, I do think you have peace with it and you don't think about it every day, but when you think about that pain, it doesn't go away. You can think about the worst Jets moments. You can think about the worst Laker moments. I can think about the worst Eagle moments, and that pain crushes back. It doesn't go away. But I do believe that they're in a better place now. Jermaine O'Neal is doing great. Ryan Tess is a completely different person, which is beautiful. And – um. It's, it's great to see Stephen Jackson, too. It's great to see things come in full circle. Any last thoughts on uh, Malice and the Power? Yeah, so I, I tease this, right? Here's, here's this take. This is the hot take. And this is the last one I'm giving for a long time. The Indiana Pacers will not win an NBA championship until all the players from the Malice and the Palace are long and deceased. This is going to be the biggest curse since Babe Ruth. And if you guys don't believe me, I'm going to just say these two things. Paul George, Victor Oladipo, <laughs> TJ Warren. I'm just, listen, I'm just saying, I said what I said. All right. And that's what he said. Like I said, um, let's get into our last segment because I do not want to keep this podcast, I keep it under 10 minutes. Um, Free agency, restricted free agency. French, I want you to give us the list of the restricted free agents because there's still some guys available that could help and improve some NBA teams. Yeah, so let's start off with a couple of the veterans um, that will sign at some point, but I just want to get your quick take on where you think they might go. Wesley Matthews, hanging it up, or does he get one more year with the team? I think he might be done. I think he might be cooked. Okay. J.J. Reddick. Cooked. Okay, now J.J. did say on his own podcast he would try to sign with the team during the season. 
he might cook? But he, he 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 might get a look just because of the name, but I think he's cooked. Okay. Lori Markinen. Now, Lori Markinen, qualifying offer, okay, under the rookie contract rules. So, a team can offer him a trade. I mean, a team can offer him a contract. The Bulls have every right to match it, mm-hmm. and he would stay with the Bulls. He has said he wants out of Chicago and wants a fresh start. Mm-hmm. Do you think Lori Markinen gets an offer from somebody? Do you think the Bulls would match the offer, or do you think he gets traded, sign a trade? I do think he gets offered from somebody. I have a zero percent chance that I think the Bulls will match it. I think they're waiting for somebody to sign them, and I think either between uh, the Pelicans or just some or the Mavericks. I think there's teams out there kind of waiting for things to fluctuate, but I do think somebody's going to offer him at least a fourteen or fifteen million dollar contract. Okay, and here's the last guy. This is the big one, Josh Hart. Now, Josh Hart. Let me just say this: he got screwed, right? Mm-hmm. Because Josh Hart was so good, and he was such a late draft pick, but he became so good in the NBA that he's on a really bad contract. So he's getting really low-balled here at the qualifying offer. And teams said they want to make him offers, but they know that New Orleans is going to match. So what happens here? He's also tied to trade rumors potentially for Buddy Heal, but Yeah, I don't think that Buddy Heal deal is going to happen. So I think the best thing Josh can do is uh, bet on himself the right way and sign a one-year qualifying offer deal, play his butt off, and become an unrestricted free agent next year because he doesn't okay. really get the bag. Okay. That's all I got. All right, and we're going to wrap it up there. French, any last moments before I close out the show? Now, Summer League's winding down. Let's see who gets contracts. Let's see who has to go play in Europe. Yeah, we'll do some Summer League talk uh, next week, maybe Tuesday, eh, Tuesday, Wednesday-ish. We'll see. Something like um, that. Yeah, we're definitely not doing it tomorrow, though. No. I'm going to enjoy this. Um, but, again, thank you all for all the love and support. Like, share, and subscribe. Um, tag me. Tag the podcast page. Put it in your stories. Um, hashtag know your role player. Y'all know where to get it to. Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Sixer, Radio Public, all the platforms. All right? We'll be back next week. We'll be Tuesday and Wednesday talking about Summer League playoffs and other news. All right? Y'all be cool. Peace.